We'll hear argument now in number 109 original, Oklahoma and Texas versus New Mexico. Ms. Matthews. Mr. Chief Justice, may it please the court. This is an original proceeding involving the states of New Mexico, Texas, and Oklahoma, and it involves the Canadian River Compact, a compact negotiated and signed by the parties in 1950 and adopted by Congress in 1952. New Mexico takes exception to Part 7 of the Special Master's Report. The issue is whether, under the compact, New Mexico is entitled to unrestricted storage of all waters of the Canadian River originating above Conscious Dam. New Mexico submits that it is entitled to such storage, unrestricted either as the quantity or as the place under the terms of the compact. The Canadian River rises in northeast New Mexico, and it flows through the panhandle of Texas, eventually over into Oklahoma. There are three dams along the way which are of interest in this litigation. The first in New Mexico is the Conscious Dam, built in 1939, 11 years before the compact was ever signed. Sixty-five river miles further east is Ute Dam, or Ute Reservoir, which is also located in the state of New Mexico and was built in 1963. (coughs) Excuse me. And then another 165 river miles further east is Lake Meredith, which is located north of Amarillo, Texas, and was built in 1964. There are two provisions of the compact which are at issue in this litigation uh, to the extent that New Mexico takes exception with the master's report. We believe that the language of those two provisions is critical. The compact itself is set forth as an appendix either to the special master's report or to New Mexico's brief. Are, are the provisions of the compact that you are talking about in, in uh, your brief? Uh, yes, it's Appendix A to New Mexico, excuse me, Appendix A to New Mexico's brief, Your Honor. Mm-hmm. And specifically, uh, the part that I'm going to ask the Court to look at is on page 2A. It is Article 4A right. and Article 4B. Article 4A gives New Mexico free and unrestricted use of all waters originating in the drainage basin of the Canadian River above the Conscious Dam. And Article 4B gives New Mexico free and unrestricted use of all waters originating below the Conscious Dam subject to a 200,000-acre-foot conservation storage limitation on waters originating below Conscious The dispute in reference to Article 4 and what it means arose about a year and a half after this litigation originally began. Initially, Texas and Oklahoma had sued the state of New Mexico, claiming that the size of Ute Reservoir, which was enlarged in 1984, violated Article 4B and Article 2D of the uh, compact. The master has resolved that issue in favor of New Mexico. Article 4, A and B, became a major focus after Conscious began to spill in the spring of 1987. It was the first major spill of the Conscious Dam since approximately 1941-42, which of course predates the compact. Being a spill, the water flowed over Conscious and downstream into Ute Reservoir. And approximately 100,000 acre-feet of that water, about 40% of the spill, was either released or went ahead and spilled into Texas 
presumably most of it flowing on to Lake Meredith. New Mexico caught about 60% of those conscious spillwaters at the Ute Reservoir, and it did not count those spillwaters against its 200,000 acre-foot limitation on below conscious waters. And the reason was because the spill came from waters originating above conscious, and under Article 4A, there was no restriction on how much water New Mexico got to store if it originated above conscious. I suppose there wouldn't have been any argument on this point if, uh, if instead of building Ute Reservoir, you had enlarged Conscious Dam. That's precisely right, Your Honor. And uh, you could have caught the floodwaters in that dam, and nobody could have hardly disputed your right to do that. That's right. And in fact, uh, the parties and the master in his report agree that there is absolutely no restriction on how big New Mexico could build Ute, I'm sorry, Conscious Dam and capture every drop of water that might ever be generated in the upper basin. So the issue became whether or not it makes a difference, whether or not New Mexico chose, instead of enlarging conscious, to enlarge ute. And does it make a difference now that we catch the water of the spills downstream versus upstream behind the conscious dam? The, the result of catching the spills in the ute reservoir in 1987 was that as a result, New Ute Reservoir exceeded 200,000 acre-feet of storage. And in December of 1988, Texas and Oklahoma filed a supplemental complaint claiming that New Mexico was in violation of Article 4B's storage limitation because we had more than, at least they claimed, we had more than 200,000 acre-feet of water in Ute Reservoir. But you're, but <coughs> You claim that limitation only applies to water originating below conscious, is that it? That's right, Your Honor. That is precisely our point. The master uh, agreed with Texas and Oklahoma, and he decided, in effect, that if New Mexico chose to store its water originating above conscious, if New Mexico chose to store that in the downstream reservoir at Ute, then that water became subject to the 200,000 acre-foot limitation on water originating below conscious, it became subject to Article 4B of the Compact. Ms. Matthews, is it practicable to measure how much of the water in the Ute Reservoir is from upper above conscious drainage and how much below? Yes, Your Honor. The, the focus uh, is not on the molecules of water. Obviously, there's no particular distinction in the quality of the water above and below conscious. But from an engineering standpoint, using a, a doctrine called the doctrine of exchange, which I am not an engineer and I cannot ex explain in any detail to the court, but using that doctrine, you analogize the water to blocks of water, and it's done in other compacts, Pecos Compact, the Rio Grande Compact, and so forth. Uh, and so it's possible using gauges and in engineering calculations and computer model, models and so forth to determine with some accuracy how much of the water in Ute originated above conscious. Now that was one of the reasons though that the master uh, construed the, con or the compact the way he did as I, was the difficulty of, of measuring uh, the amount of water stored below conscious that had originated above conscious. The master had concern about whether 
the alleged difficulty would be in conflict with the goal of the negotiators to have a simple compact. But we would suggest, first of all, that there is no evidentiary showing at this point in this case that it is a difficult calculation. Um, my understanding from our engineers is, it, is that it is not a difficult calculation. Secondly, Article 5C, which relates to Texas's rights relative to Oklahoma, clearly requires a fairly complex calculation, not unlike that which would be required to determine above conscious water from below conscious water. Um, third, I, I, I think that it would not be a good test of contract interpretation to decide that because it requires some engineering uh, calculations that we're going to change and rewrite the meaning of a compact between three sovereign states. Certainly not without, not with the evidentiary basis that's in the record at this point in this case. Could I, could I ask, is there a, is there any major uh, concern here or, or any question about water originating above conscious that uh, is delivered directly to the ute? without going through conscious dam? Are there some tributaries of the Canadian that originate above conscious and, and, and uh, flow in to the Canadian below conscious? I understand the question, Your Honor. And in fact, the geography here is very interesting, and it supports the upper and lower well, basin there, but distinction. But is that uh, the same argument, I suppose, would apply to those, the water arriving in the Canadian uh, below conscious, if it originated above? Well, in fact, there are no tributaries above conscious that flow into you. The tributaries, the tributaries above conscious flow into conscious or the Canadian Oh, so there are no, no, no tributaries of the Canadian that originate above conscious that fl flow into the Canadian below conscious. That's, that's my understanding of the geography. There is a map attached to the master's report, the appendix, and it's not, it's a little difficult to read. Um, what do you mean above conscious, by the way, in that water's particular watershed? <laughs> yes, the watershed essentially fairly well geographically breaks into three parts. There's above conscious. Conscious is fed by tributaries above conscious mm -hmm. and the Canadian River that flows above conscious. Mm -hmm. And then you go downstream to Ute, and Ute is fed by Parajito, Par, I'm sorry, Parito Creek and Ute Creek, both of which come in below conscious. Uh, but they flow into the river, do they? Uh, yes, they flow either... They don't flow directly into the, into the reservoir. No, Ute Creek, I think, flows about three miles from where the reservoir actually starts. But they do flow in below conscious. And their headlands are uh, below conscious as well? Yes, they're in the lower basin. And then in that lower basin, there are a number of other creeks and, uh, and waterways, uh, most of which, or a number of which, rise in New Mexico, which flow then into Lake Meredith in Texas. When you say the lower basin, you mean below Ute? Below conscious. B below conscious? Yes. So there's some tributaries that arise below conscious, but above Ute, that are not dammed up by Ute, that flow into the river below Ute? No. no. Um, I'm not sure that that's accurate. There are tributaries which arise below conscious, which flow into Ute. There are additional tributaries in the lower basin which do not flow in the Ute, which flow... What, what do you mean by the lower basin? Uh, below conscious. I'm sorry. Okay, well then go ahead and finish your, finish your statement. Okay. There's, there are certain tributaries which flow into Ute. 
and then also in the lower basin. Um, there are tributaries, which some of which flow into the Canadian River below Ute and then on to Lake Meredith, some of which rise in other parts of the state, flow into Texas, and eventually flow into Meredith, either hooking up with the Canadian River or other tributaries. Um, so the only water you're talking about is the overflow from conscious in, in flood times. As a practical matter, we are talking about the spills from conscious dam that arise above conscious dam. <clears throat> it's New Mexico's position in this litigation that its storage rights uh, and its use rights of above conscious water are unrestricted as to either quantity or location for three reasons. First, because that's what the unambiguous language of the compact says. Secondly, that language is consistent with the geography of the area, as we have just discussed, and with the historical context of the compact. And third, any other conclusion simply leads us to some very illogical results. I'd like to look first at the question of language. As I indicated, under 4A, there is no restriction of any kind on New Mexico's rights to water originating above conscious. And as I indicated in answer to Justice White's question a minute ago, New Mexico can, and the parties and the special master all acknowledge that New Mexico can make conscious as big as it wants to make it. So there's clearly no restriction. There was an origi originally a contention by Texas and New Mexico, was there not, that the 200,000 uh, limitation applied to the structure and not to the amount of water? Texas and Oklahoma okay. originally sued New Mexico, claiming that the fact that New Mexico had enlarged Ute to, be, to have a gross physical capacity of more than 200,000 acre-feet was in itself a violation of the compact, regardless of how much water we actually stored in it. Yes. Now, that was resolved against uh, Texas and Oklahoma by the special master, and my understanding today is that only Oklahoma still maintains that position and took exception. But to Oklahoma has accepted. Yes, Oklahoma has. Uh, under, under 4B of the compact, again, as I indicated, there's no restriction on the use of the waters below conscious, but there is this 200,000 acre-foot limitation of the storage of the waters originating below conscious, and that is specifically what the language of 4B says. From the standpoint of contract law, from the standpoint of statutory interpretation, because we are here dealing with both a contract and an act of Congress, I would suggest to you that the language of 4A and 4B has to control unless it is somehow ambiguous. The report found that there was ambiguity in part because it was unclear what the rights were between New Mexico and Colorado under 4A. We question whether there is a true ambiguity in reading 4A that way, but even if it is, Colorado is not a party to the compact. Colorado is not a party to this litigation. It is, at best, an irrelevant ambiguity. And I would suggest to the court that it would be very bad precedent to rewrite compacts between sovereign states based upon alleged ambiguities which are unrelated to the dispute that has arisen among the parties. The fact is that there is no ambiguity in the language of 4A and 4B, and no one has suggested a reasonable alternative meaning 
to the plain language of, those co- of that part, portion of the compact. As I indicated, we feel that the distinction between Article 4A and 4B, and I, by shorthand, refer to it as Upper Basin and Lower Basin, has a geographical has a geographical basis, and that the basins fall in the way they're fed and the way the dams are fed makes sense within the context of the compact and gives meaning to the distinction made between 4A and 4B. We've talked about that some. I'd like to move now to the question of the historical context of this compact and how it is consistent also with New Mexico's reading of 4A and 4B. In 1950, Texas wanted federal money to build the Sanford Project, which later became Lake Meredith. New Mexico had some powerful senators at the time, Senators Anderson and Senators Chavez. And they said, no, Texas, we're not going to permit you to get the funding for the Sanford Project until and unless there is a compact which protects the rights of New Mexico in the waters of the Canadian River Basin. And in fact, the legislation which authorized Sanford Project was contingent upon approval of the compact being negotiated and being approved by Congress. The party sat down in 1950 uh, over roughly a six-month period, and they negotiated the Canadian River Basin uh, Compact. As a result of those negotiations, New Mexico received two things. New Mexico received the right to all the waters above conscious without restriction. Now, I think it's important to understand here that prior to that time, the waters above conscious had been fully developed so that New Mexico, under equitable doctrines, water law, was entitled to those rights anyway. And the only issue above conscious was the spill water. But as part of the negotiating process, Texas and Oklahoma agreed, New Mexico, you will have all the waters above conscious. And then the second thing that New Mexico received was protection for its as yet undeveloped rights below conscious up to the 200,000 acre feet. This was important because at that time, though there were a few uses, below conscious waters had really not been appropriated by anyone. And if Texas built Lake Meredith and there had not been a compact, what eventually would have happened is that Texas, under the doctrine of uh, priority, prior appropriation, would end up with the waters of the lower basin. New Mexico, of course, would have had the upper waters, the waters above conscious, because it had already established rights in those. And so what the parties did was agree that New Mexico could have up to 200,000 acre-feet of those waters which originate below conscious so that in the future, at some time, it could do the developments. So you, you in effect, said uh, we don't anticipate uh, any need for more water below conscious than 200,000 acre-feet. That was your best estimate of what your needs would be in the future? That was at the time of for below conscious. Well, is yes. there any, any possible way that you, can, you could use uh, uh, 250,000 acre-feet then? Well, yes, Your Honor. As a, as a practical matter, what's happening out in that part of the country is the Ogallala aquifer. It's drying up. It's drying up. 
and uh, the predictions made in 1950, um, that's over 41 years ago, and, and there is potentially some very serious water problems. So you can use the, if there is flood water that you're going to store in, uh, in U beyond 200,000 feet, uh, you can use it. Yes, we believe that we can. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I don't want to mislead the court. We are not now at this point using that in our communities in that area. We have plans to do so. We have projections are being made. Option contracts have been signed. It is not now being used. And I don't want to leave that impression with the court. Um, as a result of the compact, New Mexico got... Well, you know, if you don't use it sooner or later, it'll evaporate. Well, that's true, Your Honor. Um, New Mexico got the right to all the waters above conscious, and we got the 200,000 acre feet below conscious. Texas received $90 million in funding for the Sanford project. It received all waters of the lower basin except the 200,000 acre feet and subject to, to the restrictions that it has in terms of Oklahoma. And that is and was a significant amount of water, and that does provide the water substantial portion of the water that supplies Lake Meredith. Articles 4A and 4.5 we submit simply represent the deal that was made by three sovereign states in Santa Fe, New Mexico on December 6, 1950. The last thing I'd like to talk about briefly... Excuse me, before you get off that, it really doesn't say that, though. It doesn't say that you can that you can use 200,000 acre-feet from the lower basin. It, it says, to the contrary, that the amount of conservation storage available for impounding the waters from that basin, the amount of storage available for impounding those waters shall not exceed 200,000 feet. Isn't that a quite different thing? I don't believe it's a, a different thing than saying... I mean, if they said you can use 200,000 feet, that would be different, and they could have said that, but they didn't. I, I'm not sure we're disagreeing. I read this to say that we can store 200,000 acre-feet. No, it doesn't say you can store it. It said the amount of conservation storage in, no, in New Mexico available for impounding these waters shall be limited to an aggregate of 200,000 acre-feet. So that, if you have a storage facility that, that could impound more than that. Even if you're only taking 200,000 acre-feet from that basin, you'd be in violation of that provision if the storage facility were too large. Oh, th this is the point that Oklahoma right. and Texas had raised. Right. I see. Um, you don't want to get to that now? You're going to get to that later? <laughs> no, I'd be happy to get to that now. I think that, that the, if, if you read the entire compact and you read all the articles of the compact, it becomes clear that what that language is talking about there is the portion of the reservoir that is available for this storage. The definition of conservation storage includes a number of uses, some of which are not subject to the 200,000 storage limitation. So clearly, it was anticipated that the reservoirs would be larger than 200,000 acre-feet. It's also just physically impossible to build a reservoir at a precise acre footage. You're a strict constructionist as to the first clause of Part B and a liberal constructionist as to the second clause. Well, I, I don't like to look at it that way, Your Honor. <laughs> uh, I think 
Except in reverse. <laughs> yes. Except in reverse. Except what the special master did, and, and it did seem like an appropriate analysis, he looked at the four corners of the compact. In reading the four corners of the compact, he determined that it, it uh, clearly the storage limitation related to uh, quantities of water, not sizes of reservoirs. I think that's a somewhat different thing than what he did in rewriting 4A, which was go outside the four corners of the document and use other sorts of sources and other sorts of concerns in order to um, reach the conclusion that he wanted. Well, well if we, we were to say that the uh, Section B applies to the capacity, to the size of the reservoir, uh, could you come back and say, well, we are still entitled to have an unlimited reservoir for waters that originate above the dam? Yes. And it's – would you then further say it's impossible to say which is which? Or? No. Well, we, we think it's real possible under the, the, the doctrine – Not which water is which, but which reservoir is which. Oh, you're asking if we build a second reservoir. Yes. How, how could you we want to say yes to that? I think. <laughs> I think I do too. Uh, yes, I think I would still maintain that position. Does, does that make sense from the standpoint of water engineering and water law to say that a, one reservoir is for lower uh, conscious waters and the others for upper conscious waters? Well, from an economic and a practical standpoint, it does not make sense, and that's part of the problem here is it doesn't make any difference to the downstream. But then it doesn't, it doesn't hurt you. If, 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 if you say that, you, that they're indistinguishable, then you can build as big a reservoir as you want and say, oh, well, this is for upper conscious water. Well, in effect, that's what the master said. We could make conscious or anything above conscious as big as we wanted, but once it oh, no, passed no, over the I'm dam... Talking about, I'm, I'm talking about the reservoir below conscious. I guess I'm not following your question, Your Honor. Well, we're talking about whether or not capacity as opposed to actual water stored, is the correct interpretation. Right. And I'm asking you to assume that we say that it's capacity. I'm then asking how that could be interpreted, since you can come back and say, well, we're keeping this capacity for upper conscious water, which is ours. As I and can you make that argument? I don't understand that to be the argument that Texas and Oklahoma made. Conceivably, New Mexico could make that argument, sure. We could build the dam downriver from Conscious and say, we're not going to put any below water in it except spills from a, yeah. that originate above. We could conceivably make that argument under the compact, yes. But as a practical matter, I mean, that's just economic insanity. We can't build dams to hold spills which occur once every 40 years. Well, well, see, but that's practical. all you're entitled to under the contract. I'm sorry? That's all you're entitled to is the uh, waters that originate uh, above the conscious, other than for the 200,000 feet you're given below. Well, if you, read the, uh, uh, if you read that as a restriction on the size of the reservoir, that would be correct. But we would think that's an in incorrect reading of that provision, that that refers to the portion of capacity of a reservoir, not the finite capacity of the reservoir. Um, it wouldn't serve any purpose then, though. I mean, I, I, I read that provision as, as a simple... I, of course, the object was to limit you to 200,000 acre-feet. That was surely the object. 
But one, the way of arriving at that object is to say, look, we're not going to measure all the acre feet. How do you measure them? There's no way possible to, to measure them all. Well, one clear way to, to keep you honest is to say you can't build a reservoir any bigger than that. Well, Your Honor, the difficulty with that is the size of reservoirs changes all the time because of, the, of, of sediment, and that would put us in the position of every time there's a foot of sediment added to the floor of your reservoir, of having to go out with our brick and mortar and add a foot of capacity above it. That's not how dams are built. At least it's not how they're built in New Mexico. Can you just raise a spillway in a case like that? Well, that's a great big reservoir and just keep the spillway at the appropriate level, and as it silts up, you raise the spillway up. That's a very expensive project. It cost us $14 million to increase the size of Ute uh, in 1984. I mean, that's a very expensive project. I don't believe that's what they intended. It's not, that's not the way dams are built. They're built with the idea that sediment will fill them and that the capacity has to be large enough to take care of that, of that use. My time is up. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Matthews. Uh, Mr. Elliott, we'll hear now from you. Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the Court, Texas and Oklahoma are asking this Court to adopt Part 7 of the Special Master's recommendation on the above conscious water issue. In our view, the interpretation that New Mexico uh, is making of the compact would destroy the equitable apportionment that the states bargain for and is provided by the language of the compact. In 1987, in response... Does the compact recite that they intend to equitably apportion the waters? No, it does not. It's in the congressional... Um, because that's sort of a term of art in original cases, isn't it? Yes, sir, it is. Uh, in, in this case, Congress said that when it ratified the compact, but it's not in the words of the compact itself. In 1987, in response to this lawsuit, for the first time, New Mexico yeah. interpreted the word originating in Article 4B differently and in direct conflict with the way that it was interpreting the same term in Article 4A. And I'd like to mention, in terms of the, the lawsuit, um, I, I disagree with uh, respectfully with my opposing counsel. This lawsuit was not filed over the capacity versus water and storage issue, but was filed because uh, New Mexico was claiming that it could store unlimited amounts of water for recreational purposes and was, in fact, attempting to exempt part of the storage of Ute Reservoir for that recreation purpose. And this is set out in the Special Master's Report on pages 18 to 22. New Mexico interpreted Article 4A uh, in a totally ambiguous and in inherently ambiguous and unnecessarily ambiguous way from the, the way it interpreted Article 4B. Article 4A sets out New Mexico's entitlement above conscious dam. New Mexico says that the word originating, as it appears in Article 4A, does not mean just arising. It, it does not just mean waters arising in New Mexico, but includes waters that enter into New Mexico from tributaries in Colorado. Uh, I, th I thought their position on that point was more that the compact just wasn't, uh, made no attempt to apportion uh, anything to Colorado that, that was to go to, ought to go to Colorado. It's just like uh, a three-party lawsuit that you're carving up something. There's a fourth party. You can't bind the rights of the fourth party. Well, that's actually, uh, Mr. Chief Justice, a different interpretation. The the compact just says water is originating above conscious dam, and under that interpretation, it could be argued that New Mexico had a claim then to waters in Colorado, since they do in fact originate above conscious. 
Uh, New Mexico, that would be perhaps the most literal interpretation. New Mexico says that that's not correct because the compact gives them waters above Conscious Dam in New Mexico. But if you look at waters originating in New Mexico, they would not include, under an, an arising interpretation of the word originating, they would not include those waters that enter into the state from above. That is the same interpretation that we, th we, we have no problem with that interpretation. We think that's correct. We think that the way the term is used in the compact, that originating means waters not only arising, but also entering into uh, that portion of the basin. We only ask that that same identical interpretation also be applied to the term originating in Article 4B. So you say the, uh, you say the water, the overflow water uh, from conscious, uh, you should say, arises below conscious. Once it in yes, sir, once it enters into the basin. And uh, below conscious, we believe... Although it came from above, it, uh, it arises in below. Once it enters into the basin, that's correct. And I would point out that there is seepage from conscious every year, in a normal year, several thousand acre feet. That water has always been considered as waters originating below conscious. Um, it is true that the 1987 spill was uh, the largest spill since 1942, but I would point out that there have been several significant spills uh, since 42. Uh, as much as 129,000 acre feet in 1944, spills in 48, 58, 61, 65. These were significant spills of uh, tens of thousands of acre feet in each of those years that were all accounted and all considered to be waters originating below Conscious Dam. The other waters that originate below Conscious Dam are the return flows from the Tucumcari Project. This is a large irrigation project that diverts water from behind Conscious Dam and brings it down uh, in, in a channel and then uses flood irrigation to irrigate roughly 30,000 acres each year. A large percentage of that water, uh, and the exact amount is, is not known, runs off and returns into the, into the Canadian River below Conscious Dam. And again, under New Mexico's theory, that water would have to be considered theirs, their exclusive property. They've never considered it so. It's always been considered as waters originating below conscious, and Texas has been able to use those waters as well as the uh, other releases and spills and seepages from conscious dam. Then New Mexico is now claiming an exclusive right. Tucum Carry is located in what's called the lower basin, below that, conscious. That's correct. It's actually near Ute Reservoir. Under your theory, it has nothing to do with uh Compact has nothing to do with what water you get to use, but simply with where you ought to build your reservoirs. That's correct, uh, Your Honor. We believe that originating means simply entering, as, as understood by the people that wrote it, and as, uh, as, as contained within the context <coughs> excuse me, of the compact. So that uh, New Mexico doesn't have to let anything enter the lower basin. If, if New Mexico could uh, enlarge uh, Conscious Dam, which they looked into and found it was economically infeasible, that is correct, as Justice White asked earlier. They could, in fact, retain those waters. The waters are rising above. The waters at Conscious Dam, yes, sir. They could retain those. The, the compact negotiators decided that there was no need to place a limit on the waters at Conscious Dam on additional storage of those waters above Conscious Dam because they had all been developed for this Tucumcari project. 
And uh, floods, then floods were rare. The floods were infrequent. Uh, when the uh, compact negotiators allocated the waters among the states, they relied exclusively upon the technical studies of their engineer advisors. The engineer advisors, in, in arriving at the 200,000-acre-foot limitation on waters below conscious, did not distinguish in any way as to the source of the waters. They routed all waters, the spills, the seepages, the return flows. Everything was routed to Texas in excess of the 200,000 acre feet below conscious. And the Bureau of Reclamation, uh, which built, which planned and constructed the Sanford Project, which is now called Lake Meredith, did exactly the same thing. They routed uh, as waters available for that project all waters in excess of 200,000 acre feet below conscious. And as I was saying, that there were spills during the, uh, the time that the uh, Bureau and the engineer advisors were reviewing the uh, floods. There were releases. There were uh, seepages every year and substantial amounts of return flow from the Tucan Ferry Project. All of those waters were treated as exactly the same. Once they entered into the basin, into the watershed below conscious, they fell within the Article 2B restriction. So what, uh, what percentage of the, wa- of the storage in, the, what is it, Lake Meredith? Lake Meredith is a what, uh, what percent of the storage there comes from the Canadian? Or if it comes, comes from, from New, New Mexico, Mexico, put it that way? Roughly half. Roughly half. Correct. And, uh, of course, there are a lot of, other tri- a lot of tributaries flowing to the Canadian below Ute. There are, there are some fairly major tributaries that come in below Ute. One of those um, contains a lot of that Tucumcari return flow. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of the waters that are in that tributary are the return flows from the Tucumcari. What, uh, what other water besides the Canadian uh, services uh, Meredith? Just the, the Canadian and tributaries that are below the below you and below the Texas State. There are no, uh, no other uh, streams that flow directly into uh, that, Meredith? That's correct, just, just the Canadian River. What's the capacity of Meredith? The capacity is a million four hundred thousand. Um, it currently has uh, about three hundred thousand acre feet in it. It's never filled. Uh, there's never been enough water to supply uh, the demand for it. The uh, authority that operates it for the eleven cities uh, that take water from the lake typically uh, can only allocate about eighty percent of the request because of the lack of water. Uh, the water. What, what city in, in Texas is the furthest away from the, the, the dam of the 11 cities that get the water? Just an order of magnitude. Let's go down to Lubbock. Lubbock is, is one of the first cities. The, the largest cities are Lubbock and Amarillo and Plainview. Uh, there are some smaller cities. So you're talking about a couple hundred miles, possibly. The, uh, they are serviced off a canal primarily that runs from Lake Meredith and goes south and then services several cities as, as it moves south. Um, the, as I said, the largest uh, users are, late, are Lubbock and Amarillo. Um, Lubbock relies almost, uh, well, predominantly upon the Canadian River. Most of the cities have uh, had to go to some kind of supplemental source, uh, in this case the Ogallala Aquifer although there are still a couple of towns that re- or cities that rely almost ex- or exclusively upon the Canadian River. Um, and, and, of course, that's part of the problem is that New Mexico is retaining this water uh, in storage now. Uh, they're not using it. Uh, they, they hope to be able to use it someday for this uh, water supply project that they've had on the drawing board since 1972. 
Uh, it's no closer to being a reality now than it was 10, 15 years ago. And uh, it is definitely, Texas is definitely being harmed. These uh, cities have almost half a million people in them. And, uh, but you don't question their right to keep 200,000 acre feet there, do you? Absolutely not. It's, they can use the spill. Just a, you're just a, you're just a, you're mostly fighting over uh, floodwaters. The floodwaters in '87 triggered this, and, and of course, well, floodwaters, which I guess you concede they could capture at least uh, at conscious if they increase that capacity. That's correct. They could. So New Mexico has the right uh, and the means ultimately to keep all that water. Well, as a practical matter, they, they found that they can't do it. It's not feasible. The, the, the flood flows are not frequent enough and in large enough magnitude to make it economically feasible, so they've rejected that idea. They oh. have the legal right to do it. Right, but they have the legal right to do just that. That's correct, Your Honor. And, and again, I, I take it from the earlier part of your argument that the Sanford Reservoir was, the Sanford Project was planned uh, without regard to floodwaters. No, the, the Sanford Project relied upon all waters, including floodwaters, in excess of the 200,000 acre feet of conservation storage below conscious. Uh, they routed all waters to Texas for the project, and they were available for the project. But in, in, does the history show that in planning for the feasibility of the project, they uh, depended on floodwaters? They used the floodwaters. The only thing they didn't do was the, 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 the reservoirs operate as, as what's called a firm yield, meaning what it will supply in the, in the very driest year of record. So uh, they actually obtained funding based on that year, and of course there were no spills in that year, although there would still be return flows from the, from the Tucumcari project that would have been entering Texas and would have been used uh, available to the project. Our point here is simply that it, it's not just the spills, it's not just the major infrequent spills, it is a constant supply of water to Texas every year. Uh, New Mexico has developed accounting procedures for this uh, above conscious water that's stored in Ute that magnifies uh, the exemption and at this point uh, under their accounting procedure, which is hydrologically impossible, they have, they have determined that only 8 percent of the amount of water that's stored in Ute Reservoir is actually subject to the 200,000 acre foot limitation. Um, it would create an enormous hardship on Texas if New Mexico were then to start accounting for the Tucumcari return flows, which they would have the legal right to do, if they could start accounting for this. Have they made any, uh, any claim in this case that they're entitled to those waters? They have claimed that they're entitled to them. They've, the waters have never been measured, and as a practical matter, it would be very difficult to measure, and I can... Cost them more than it's worth. Well, and there would certainly be a battle over it because it would be extremely subjective. So as a practical matter, we're just talking about floodwaters. As, that's what this fight is over, but it has the legal ramifications far beyond that, far beyond it, including the, just the, the several thousand acre feet that seep from Conscious Dam every year into the lower basin. It's, uh, uh, the accounting procedures uh, are, I again have to disagree with my uh, opposing counsel, I, we believe they're very complex. They're set out in the, master, in the agreed facts um, at um, B, let's say B. B38, and um, I would invite the courts, uh, if you're interested, to look at that. But they include things like having to make determinations on evaporation, on seepages, on diversions, on return flows. Uh, we feel like those accounting procedures for water stored below conscious would be extremely complex, 
and there would be much uh, controversy and disagreement among the states over the results of, uh, of those procedures. And this is certainly not what was intended by the compact. The compact was uh, said to be by the people who wrote it to be virtually self-executing and require minimal uh, administration. This would require, in effect, you don't say there's any. It's really very. Uh, it's impractical to measure the the uh, what the, the floodwaters. The, flo the amount of water that flows uh, over the Conscious Dam. They all know all that. In 1972, the gauge below conscious was discontinued, and there really is not any flow measurement. I know. Of water well, there may not conscious. be, but it wouldn't be easy to. Ha wouldn't be hard to have it. There could there could be a new gauge installed, I, I suppose. Well, yeah, and it wouldn't cost a fortune either, would it? The gauge itself would not. No. Yeah. All right. Uh, but there would still have to be an accounting for what happened to that water after it passed the gauge right. in terms of losses uh, and evaporation. It, it's the, it, it would amount to the kind of flow accounting that the people who wrote this compact thought they had avoided by this capacity or this water, even waters and storage limitation. How many miles does the river travel between Conscious and Ute? Uh, Approximately. In river miles, river miles, river miles it's, uh, I know it's over 100. But I'm just not sure how far it is, um, and I may be way off on that. Um, the um, the point on the accounting is that, it, that we would then be getting into flow accounting. We'd be getting into measurements of water with with gauges and uh, and getting into arguments over losses. This is the kind of of um, flow accounting that New Mexico and Texas have been battling over for years on the Pecos River Compact, and it's, it's exactly what the writers of this compact tried to avoid, and, and we, we think it's important that that be avoided. It's New Mexico bargained for protection for all its waters above conscious and primarily the Tucumcari project and an additional 200,000 acre feet of conservation storage below conscious. We're satisfied with that bargain, and until 1987, New Mexico was too. Uh, what they're asking for now would affect be an unlimited allocation. The 200,000 acre foot limitation would re be replaced by one that, that would have no limit. It would just be a matter of uh, every year trying to account for all these different waters from the Tuncare Project and from Conscious that are in the basin uh, below Conscious and uh, then adding to that 200,000 acre feet. We feel like um, that it was uh, extremely important to Texas uh, we did not, as was implied, bargain away uh, in order to get Sanford Dam our ability to obtain flows from New Mexico, since, as I said earlier, about half the flows that, are entered, that we get into Lake Meredith are from New Mexico. It was critical to Texas that there be a defined limitation on New Mexico's right to construct storage and impound waters below conscious. That was critical. That was the one thing we could never have bargained away. Mr. Elliott, how do you respond to the argument that you can't uh, really compute a a capacity that precisely at 200,000 and uh, and also that it keeps changing as it silts up and uh, it's uh, so exorbitantly expensive to increase the capacity that it's not reasonable to think that that's what they bargained about. We believe that there are some practical implications of uh, limiting the uh, com their right to a capacity limitation. Uh, we think that some of that can be overcome by creative uh, means. You can You can build a reservoir that's far in excess and then uh, you would have a sediment reserve pool, for instance, that, that you could use to collect sediment. Um, 
Again, on the capacity issue, uh, it was Texas' view that unlike the conscious issue, it did not destroy the equitable apportionment that was set out in the compact and clearly intended, clearly intended by the negotiators. Um, but we do, we do agree that a plain reading of uh, Article 4 and Article 2D do, uh, does say that it's a, a, a capacity limitation. Thank you, Mr. Elliott. Uh, Mr. Lay, we'll hear now from you. Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the Court, Oklahoma concurs with the exceptions which have been taken in advance by the State of Texas, and we are here to raise the additional exception relating to Section 6 of the Special Master's Report, wherein the Special Master recommends that this Court interpret Article 4B of the Compact to impose a water-in-storage or quantity-of-water limitation on New Mexico as opposed to a capacity limitation. Article 4B of the Compact clearly states that it is a limitation upon the amount of conservation storage available for impounding. Any question about that referring to capacity and sounding in capacity is resolved by Article 2D of the Compact, which defines conservation storage. It defines conservation storage as that portion of the that portions of reservoir capacity available for the storage of water. One thing I do wish to stress, I, I take it. It doesn't use the word capacity. Uh, it, 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 2D, the term conservation means that portion of the, capa- the capacity of reservoirs. You say it's just like it said reservoirs capacity. Yes, sir. I, in my description, I turned those two words around. One thing I do wish to stress, which I had the impression my honorable opposing counsel was urging this morning, is that Oklahoma is trying to convince this court that under the capacity limitation, there is a total limit on the total size of reservoirs that can be built in New Mexico. That is not the position we have urged before the special master, nor the position that we urge here. The only limitation, capacity limitation, which Oklahoma is talking about, is that that pertains to conservation storage. Above and beyond that capacity, there may be in the same reservoir, multi-purposes. There may be navigation storage. There may be sediment control storage. Didn't that presents some very difficult problems of measurement. If you have all those different kinds of storage behind the same dam, undifferentiated. Mr. Chief Justice, as we understand it, it's not. And, and again, it gets into an engineering question. As we understand it, the capacities that are allocated to reservoirs are basically established when the reservoir is planned and designed. That is to say, it will be designed to have a useful life over a given period of time, 50 to 100 years. And in that process, it will have allocated between certain elevations, water for, for conservation purposes, water for flood control, water for other purposes. That kind of data is fixed, I think, in the planning and design process of the reservoir. Mr. But Oklahoma's position is not that its interpretation limits the size of the structure? Not the total size of a structure, just that portion, Mr. Chief Justice, that relates to conservation storage. But can you say that any one part of a structure like a dam relates to conservation storage? I think we can, Your Honor, and I think as developed in this case, the, the way it turns out is that at Ute Reservoir, at a given elevation, you have outlet works. Below that, you have dead storage, and above that, you have some quantity of water to the top of the lake. Within that quantity, there is a limit of 200,000 acre-feet for conservation storage, and then there's water above that. On inquiry, we can ask New Mexico, what is this additional storage used for? We hear things like a desilt pool. We hear things like recreation storage and things of that nature. Well, do you determine it by the actual use that is made from time to time, or the intent with which it was stored, or the design 
the design features of the dam or all three? Uh, Justice Kennedy, I think all three may come into play. I think you're certainly correct in saying that it is the actual use. We think it's not necessarily what New Mexico may choose to call it, but the actual use to which it is placing the waters. It will also be in the design criteria of the reservoir, where these elevations are, where these different capacities are allocated. Uh, do, you, do, you cite some, do you cite some treatises or some, uh, some history where the term conservation storage is, is uh, contrasted and compared with other uh, types of storage? Uh, Your Honor, off the top of my tongue, I cannot cite you a treatise. We did have in the record admitted certain treatises on sediment control and multipurpose design uh, criteria where it did talk about how uh, reservoirs are allocated certain different types of storages if it is a multipurpose reservoir. Now, if you were a sole-purpose conservation storage reservoir, obviously it would be limited to 200,000 acre-feet capacity under our reading of Article 4B. How do you administer it on your theory? Let's assume New Mexico has decided to, uh, to use the, the gross storage capacity of the Ute Dam uh, by storing, in addition to its 200,000 acre-feet uh, um, and, and X hundred thousand acre-feet for recreational purposes. Do you, in effect, take that as some kind of a benchmark so that when, the, uh, when there is a, a, a spillover that comes down the river, you, in effect, says you've got to let it all spill out at the other end? Is, is it as simple as that on your theory? I think under our theory, Justice Souter, it is simply that once New Mexico has conservation storage capacity in excess of 200,000 acre-feet, that capacity, that excess water that might be represented in that excess capacity is required to be released to the downstream states because the extent of the stream flow depletion by New Mexico was clearly intended to be limited to 200,000 acre-feet. You, you might let them, I mean, I, I take it on your theory it would, be, it would be consistent with the compact if they in good faith said, well, we want to raise the water level three more feet for recreational purposes. You'd say that's all right. But you'd say once that's done, once you get to whatever the bona fide recreational level capacity is, anything more that flows into that dam has got to flow out of that dam. That is our theory. That's correct, okay. Your Honor. And, and to clarify, we certainly say, okay, we're going to add on another four feet for recreation. But there's no limit on how much they can add for recreational capacity, right? Uh, Justice Scalia, we have interpreted uh, recreation use as being a consumptive use under the compact. The special master has in effect ruled that recreation is chargeable against conservation storage where it is held in place and kept within the state and not released. Uh, we concur with that theory, and my reason for pointing that out is if you had uh, 200,000 acre-feet of conservation storage, 100,000 acre-feet on top of that for recreation, you've got 300,000 acre-feet of conservation storage under our reading of the compact. So you so there's no such thing as uh, conservation storage then, you're saying, right? Or, or re recreation storage. It's just recreation use. There's no such thing as recreation storage. That would, that would be a correct analogy with what I'm saying, Your Honor. That's correct. It would be a recreation use of the water, although New Mexico has tried to advance the theory that it's recreation storage and not conservation storage. That has been rejected by the Special Master. Well, then let me go back to my question, because I don't think I understood or I may have misled you. Um, I take it your answer now is that regardless of what they may do with or for recreational purposes in the Ute, the Ute Reservoir, they can only store 200,000 acre feet in the Ute Reservoir, and anything that spills in uh, to raise the level above that has got to spill back out. 
If I may clarify, Your Honor, they could only store 200,000 acre feet for what are deemed to be conservation storage uses and purposes. But I thought your answer to Justice Scalia's question was that they couldn't store anything more for any other purpose. They could use their conservation water for recreation, but they couldn't increase their storage for recreational purposes. They could not increase their storage capacity for conservation purposes, but in addition to that, they may have temporary storage for flood control, for example, that's not conservation storage. They may have temporary storage for navigation, which is not conservation storage. They may have temporary storage for uh, some uh, type of uh, hydropower that would not be a conservation storage. And the reason they're not conservation storage is that typically those waters will ultimately be released from the reservoir to the downstream states, given the very nature of their uses. Conservation storage uses, municipal industrial water supply, we've included recreation, irrigation, uh, those types of uses are conservation storage uses which come out of the conservation storage capacity section of the reservoir. Well, I suspect that sediment control requires that the water sit there and not be released, and that's another exception to the storage that is correct, Justice O'Connor. Sediment control storage is not part of conservation storage and right. not chargeable against the 200,000. And not chargeable against the 200,000. And in that instance, it isn't released. It's kept so that the silt can settle out. That is correct, John. That is correct. Would it be too crude to say, then, uh, to summarize what you've said, that the capacity can be increased for any purpose which is realized ultimately by releasing the water over the dam. I think that is consistent with the theory, uh, Justice Scalia. Again, I would want to articulate and qualify it. Any additional capacity can exist which does not constitute conservation storage capacity or non-conservation uses. There can be additional capacities to that. Each of those capacities, as I understand you to have described them, uh, requires by its very nature the release of the water. That is correct, John. Well, you just said sediment control did not require release, and surely it doesn't. Your Honor, that, that, may I finish my answer, Your Honor? Uh, yes, Your Honor, that is correct, and, and my, my choice of words is not, was not articulate at that point. Sediment control is special in that it's unused water. It's not released, but it is unused, but necessary for sediment deposition. Thank you, Mr. Lay. The case is submitted. The Honorable Court is now adjourned until tomorrow at 10 o'clock. <laughs>